guys, welcome to another stinking thinking series topic, trophy mentality. And uh, this is one of the most interesting, uh, one of the most interesting mentalities that there is. What we're literally talking about is what does the Bible say about socialism? And you would think, oh my goodness, you know, history lesson, all that kind of stuff. It's actually very interesting because we don't realize how intertwined our thinking is with some of the things that we've learned and grown up with and how we think differently uh, than what we actually think we do. And so one of the things that we want to look at is uh, what is this trophy mentality? Why did I call it trophy mentality? Uh, we're looking at socialism. This literally, if we don't understand this, this can sidetrack major, major things in our life. So go ahead, like, uh, like the broadcast, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell, you know, get notifications, and share it. You know people that need to hear this. This is going to be very informative today. And the truth be told, there's a whole generation that does not know this. Um, this. This is very interesting. I was actually talking with somebody that is very uh, studied and pays attention uh, to history and likes studying those things. And uh, they came they came into first grade around 92 or 93, something like that. And they mentioned to me as we were talking, they said, I never remember in all of school studying socialism and communism. And I went, what are you talking about? Because when I grew up, it, we studied it all the time. I mean, it was a constant. But of course, in you know, 1991, approximately 1990, 1991, that's when the wall fell down and really the Cold War ended. So all of that time, all of my life growing up, we had heard about the evils of communism and the things that were happening and uh, the evils of socialism. And, you know, so I grew up understanding that and knowing that, but we have a whole generation that doesn't actually know that and hasn't been taught that. And, you know, what's important ultimately is not what I think or what you think. What's important and what we're seeing in this stinking thinking is that it's important. What does God think about it? How does he view it? Because you have some things like in Acts chapter 4, I believe it is, uh, we'll get to it where they said they had everything in common. So what does that mean? And how do we approach that? So one of the things, uh, wow, Barrett said, no, I never studied it. That's that's really interesting. Wow. You learn the definitions of the different types of governments, and that was it. That's amazing to me. It's something that we fought for decades as an evil in the world, like a true evil in the world. And, um, and our, this generation doesn't even know anything about that. I was really awakened to this a, a few months ago when I, I saw something happening on social media that surprised me. And uh, I watched as a generation uh, didn't know what, you know, about the evils of it, actually thought it was good. I was really surprised by it. But we're going to take a look at this because this absolutely plays into uh, the Bible. It absolutely plays into uh, the thinking of God, how he thinks about it, uh, or how he doesn't, you know, how he likes it or not, it plays in. And you're going to see that uh, piece of it. So why did I call it trophy mentality? Well, one of the things about socialism, we'll get into the definition of it is, is that everything is shared. And we started seeing this. This never happened when I was growing up, but we started seeing this uh, quite a while back where everybody gets a trophy. Now, 
uh, like on a sports team. Everybody gets a trophy. There is nothing, you know, it didn't matter if people, you know, did good or did bad. Everybody gets a trophy for something. Now, I'm not opposed. Um, yeah, Kevin says it was studied immensely in his years. Mine too, Kevin. Uh, but uh, we have a generation now where it was not, uh, not at all, actually. And um, so one of the things that you see is that I was, I think in, um, amen, hey, Pastor Patrick, good to see you. And uh, we love you so very much over in Gabon, Africa. We praise God for you. Um, one of the things that you see is that, uh, like when I was growing up and I played on sports teams, I got a trophy every season for, you know, the team. It was a team trophy that we all received. It marked the year and everything like that. But then we had specialized trophies, and not everybody got them. A lot of times on a lot of teams, there were only three trophies. Uh, so when I was, when I was coaching, uh, what I would do is actually uh, I would get a medal, generally get a medal or a trophy, a small trophy for every player to recognize their, their work, their attitude, things like that. But then we always had uh, some special uh, trophies that would go out because people gave bigger effort than that. And uh, sometimes we think, well, no, everybody, everybody did this and everybody gets the same thing. Well, in the Bible, it's interesting because he, he says to some people, well done, good and faithful servant. And to other ones, he says, he says you wicked and evil ser servant. In other words, and what was the difference? One took the things of God and put them to work, and the other one did not. And so, in other words, they got a reward from God based on what they did, based on how they treated things, based on, based on how they applied the gifts that were given in their life. And truly, God rewarded at different levels. It was not spread equally, and it was not controlled uh, just by men alone. And so let's look at this because it's really interesting. I think you'll I think you'll find what we cover today very interesting. And the reason I share this in stinking thinking is because the, one of the first things is it's actually going to reveal another stinking thinking that we have in our lives. Once we understand this, we're going to get to disposal mentality later on. And when we get to disposal mentality, you're going to see how this thinking feeds that one and how they they both need to be corrected and we need to come into what the Bible says about it. So let me tell you a story real quick as we jump in. Recently I was uh, privy to a story of a, a real thing that happened. Uh, I knew some of the details of it that most people did not uh, did not know. And so in this story was a young lady, uh, I would say in her 20s, maybe her late 20s, maybe early 30s at the most. And uh, this lady had a position. Now, and you know that having a job in the past couple of years, there's a lot of people that got laid off. And to have a job is a blessing. Uh, but because of this mentality of everybody gets praise, even if they do bad, everybody gets a trophy, this trophy mentality, um, everybody wins, right? One of the things that you start to see is that you see an attitude that will spring up in people that says, 
I always get what I want no matter what I do. And, of course, that attitude is wrong. And, uh, you know, a lot of times in this trophy mentality, we'll have parents that will actually say, I can't tell my kids no. I, you know, I've got to give them what they want. No, you do not. No, if your kids do the right thing, then you, then you can reward them. If they do the wrong thing, then the Bible teaches us you need to actually correct that, discipline that, uh, punish that if necessary. But you don't just let them, the, you, can, you know, there was this truly ungodly thought that if I punish or I correct my child, I'm stealing from their personality. No, you're adding to their personality a negative one in that way. And so we have a whole generation that kind of thought that this may be the way to raise their kids. And we have this generation that can't be told no. And uh, all of a sudden, so now go back to this story. It's a young, young lady in a position last year and this year and uh, has a nice job, a nice job. But they were immature in some things, like everybody in their 20s. Everybody in their 20s has stuff to learn. Everybody in their 30s has stuff to learn. Everybody in their 40s has stuff to learn. 50s, 60s, keep going. Everybody has stuff to learn. But especially earlier on, the more early on you are, the more you have stuff to learn. Well, sure enough, she has you know a good job and a good boss that wants to train and get them better and teach them how to be more efficient more productive and uh, more valuable in the company and in the productivity of the company. So they start correcting these things that they see wrong. Well, because this person has not been taught about uh, being told no, because this trophy mentality, this this young lady literally thinks, and, and I happen to know, I happen to know what actually happened. And uh, I know the details of it. And this lady was not corrected harshly. It was just a growing up and a discipline. But because of this trophy mentality, this young lady thinks that she was being completely personally attacked on, on all fronts. And how dare they treat me like this. And watch this. And, and literally in the middle of the pandemic, quits their job, throws their hands up and walks out and basically, you know, goes home, you know, and, and basically gives up completely. And, and, I've, and of course, I've seen many people in their 20s do this as well. And, and the, being in the 20s is not the bad. It's how you handle that. But my, my point is this type of mentality that's taught to people gets them to the place where they literally will hand over some of the biggest blessings in their life because they can't take a no. Because they, they think that I get a trophy just for being present. And so what we're really looking at is a socialist mentality and a socialism. I'm going to show you how these things connect and how this relates in the Bible. So one of the things let's look at to start off with, we've started every day, is John 10.10. 10. I'll read it in the Amplified. This is God's plan and His way. Why are we in this stinking thinking uh, series? Uh, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. In other words, that's the only reason the thief comes, to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy life. Hear that. That they may have it and enjoy life and have it in abundance 
to the full till it overflows. This is why Jesus came, was to bring the fullness of life to everybody that would have it. But the devil only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What are the ways that he steals, kills, and destroys? Because if you go into the, the end of the gospel, I think it's in Matthew, where it, where it says, uh, and it says, all power and authority is given unto me. Jesus said that. So you see that all power and authority is given to Jesus. Well, that doesn't leave any power and authority with the devil. How does the devil steal, kill, and destroy? He does it in our thinking. And if our mind is renewed to the Word of God, which the ultimate, if you could boil this down to a couple of words, the whole gospel and the good news of God, it would be life and freedom. It would be life and freedom. I've come to set them free. If they'll continue in my Word, they'll know the truth, and the truth will set them free. Life, the fullness of it, and freedom, not a bondage. God wants people free. And so if the devil wants to steal from us, then what he has to do, and and, and the Bible tells us this, that the battlefield where this takes place, where we have to take thought captives, is in our mind. It's in our thinking. And if our mind is not renewed to the life and freedom in this word, we will fall prey to be a slave to fear. We'll be a slave to other people. We'll be a slave to governments even, right? We'll be a slave in so many different ways, and these things will rack us. They'll, they'll, conf- they'll uh, conform us. They'll keep us in a certain form of bondage. Jesus came that we would be free, all right? Now, one of the things that you see is this, and here's one of those things. This is why we're in the series on stinking thinking, is if we have wrong thinking, they become, uh, so to speak, a thorn in our life. And if it's a thorn in our life, that thorn starts to steal the fruitfulness. It steals the harvest that God wants for us. Look at this verse, Mark 4, verse 18 through 19. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns, among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word. In other words, the seed of God's life and freedom word is sown into the world, but thorns will steal from that fruitfulness. And here's some of the some of the categories of those thorns. Verse 19, but the worries of the world the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So hear that again. Here's the thorns. These are all of the world, of worldly thinking, not biblical thinking, not godly thinking, but worldly, fleshly, corrupted thinking. The worries, the deceitfulness, and the desires. Put that in the comments, please. Three thorns of the world worries deceitfulness and desires of the world worries deceitfulness and and desires of the world those things will steal the fruit from your life it'll steal the fruit uh, from my life and this trophy mentality is one of those thorns is stealing from people and they don't even know about it many times but you're going to see some things that will uh, completely change your heart and your mind uh, towards some thinking that you might not be in fully but you'll see it in the world and you'll be able to know and be knowledgeable about it and 
not fall for the traps. Amen. So, let's look at uh, socialism. Merriam-Webster actually describes socialism as any of a various economic and political theories advocating collective or governmental ownership and administration of the means of production and the distribution of goods. In other words, by definition, socialism is where a group or a government collects ownership and administration of the production of goods and distribution of goods. And so what you see is you have a group that grabs control, okay, and there's a big, there's a big word. You have a group that grabs control and then that group decides what should be done, who's going to have what, who's going to do what in those, in those places. Now, there is a difference between socialism and communism. Generally, socialism is what leads to communism. Uh, in, in its purest form, communism uh, is where nobody has any private property whatsoever. It is all completely uh, controlled in that way. Now, let me give you some history. In socialism, you can still have some private property, but here's what I want you to see you don't fully have control of everything in your life. And you have some, uh, you know, the truth be told, we have a, a lot of the working of socialism right here in America today. There's a ton of socialism. We just didn't know it and didn't define it until recently as that. So one of the things that you see is that it's actually running around the world. Socialism is moving around the world. Socialism is generally, not always, but generally a step moving towards communism. And so I want you to look at a little bit of history, a little bit of world history, very brief, just small, you know, some small points on it. Recently I was watching a video on uh, socialism and communism, and here's the comment that was, that was or the question that was asked. And, and I want you to watch this because in this very question and answer is a programming. There's a programming. It's a social programming. So watch this. Here's what was said. You know, they define communism and socialism, and then at the end they ask this question. Does that mean that communism and socialism is bad? Not really, they said. Not really. Sometimes socialism and communism just fall into the hands of the wrong people. <laughs> well, Who's to stop that? <laughs> it's, it's like, all right, that, okay, so that's not necessarily bad, but sometimes it falls into the hands of their own people. So now let me ask you a question. If it can fall into the hands of the wrong people, wouldn't you want to have a checks and balances to stop that from happening if it did occur? Right? In other words, if we know that if this system falls into the hands of bad people, it's going to go bad for everybody besides the ruling class. You know, a lot of times the theory behind socialism is that we have a classless society. But here's the problem. Who's the people that are deciding and making the decisions? 
They always rise into a class by themselves and where they, they say, well, we want to be free thinkers. Many times what happens is that those very you know, free thinking revolutionary thoughts go away as soon as people have control and power. You know, absolute power corrupts absolutely is a statement that's been said many, many, many times. And we've watched it happen in history every time. We've watched it happen in history every time. And this is why it's so important and, and the wisdom of what we have in America in this republic. We set up checks and balances to not allow absolute power. And one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life in history is where George Washington, after he had his campaigns and the war was won, the Revolutionary War was won, they literally wanted to give him absolute power and he turned it down. This is, this is a heart after God, I'm telling you, because that you don't do that without the power of God being present in your life. And uh, it, you just don't do that. He, they handed him absolute power, and he turned them down, and he gave it away. He gave the, the power back to the people uh, in a republic. The, the difference between, in a, in a socialism, you have people that, rep, you have a ruling class that represents the people. In capitalism and in a republic, you have of that as well. Uh, the issue is that in a republic, there's checks and balances to remove the people if they turn bad, right? One of those one of those ways is our voting. And so it's very important for us to have a voting system that is not corrupted at all. That's very important. It's just basically history 101. If, if there's any question of a corrupt system, it needs to be a gone over of corrupt voting system. It needs to be gone over, it needs to be checked, and it needs to be made sure that that institution is pure. Otherwise, you can lead to a place where you have a ruling class that is taking advantage of a corrupted system. In socialism, you also have people that rule, but the issue is, and they should be voted in, the checks and balances are gone so that if they push it too far, it's not it, they're not removed. Well, the forefathers also saw that if, that if those things came up, this is why they gave us the Second Amendment, was they saw that this was, and that's why we have the right to bear arms in America. So, and some interesting history. And if you don't know the, the detriments and the, and the historical evils of socialism and communism, then you would, be mind, you would not be mindful to watch out for those things. That's why it's so important uh, for our students to know the different systems and to know the evils of them. You know, capitalism in itself has some evils in it too, but that's why we have laws. And that's why we need uh, the legislators to not have, uh, not have bias laws, but for them to be very uh, fair. Yeah, Barrett said this, those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. I, very true, it's been said for a long time, but, and that's why it's very important to watch who writes the history books. <laughs> this is very important stuff. See, the thing about the internet is you can get lots of information, but I can go, I can go and change a web page just like that. 
I can change history. If history is captured in a web page, then I can change history just like that. Whereas I have books on my shelf that are world history books and American history books printed in the 60s and 70s. I can't go change those like that. That's printed material. I don't get to just change it with a delete button. Right? I don't get to change it just with a, a tapping of the keys. No, it's a printed history that helps me know these things were, have been seen now for decades, and it was, a, it was a history that was agreed upon by many. If we have it digitally, it becomes dangerous. That's something we should watch. So I hope this is already educating you, and we haven't even gotten into uh, the pieces. Hey, Chris Curry, good to see you, man. Love you. And uh, we haven't even gotten into the biblical pieces yet, but we're getting ready to. So this guy on the video said, does that mean that communism and socialism are bad? Not, and then he answers, not really. Sometimes they just fall into the hands of the wrong people. And the question then is, then what? If it falls into the hands of the wrong people, what do you do then? Because ultimately, I mean, everybody, let's say that everybody that's you know, putting socialism into place is all good. How many times throughout history have you seen a good generation and before long it turns into a bad generation? Over and over and over and over. And with that much power, it's bound for somebody to take it and do the wrong things with it. What do you do then? See, there needs to be checks and balances that are set up there. So then, what's interesting about this video is, and watch this, what's interesting is they ask this question as they say that socialism and communism you know, are not necessarily bad. Well, except when you pay attention to history, every one of them has failed and it has ended up costing the lives of humans. <laughs> every one, every time it's failed, it's failed every time. That's a bad system. That's not a good system. Now we're just, we're not even looking at the Bible yet. We're just looking historically. Now watch this. And here's the thing, in the same video where they said this is not bad, they just got through quoting where in one revolution of socialism, Thousands of people were, were murdered. They just quoted that. And then they're like, no, it's not a bad system. That's social programming in that way. Here's, a, here's another thing. And then in another example, in the same video, they said another country completely prohibits the full use of the Internet to prohibit free thought in the people. So you have a lot of times you have young people who are influenced by a theory and influenced by something, but what they, what they don't realize is the end result of this is strips freedom and free thought. The very thing that they're fighting for, it ends up stripping that free thought away uh, in its future because the checks and balances are not in that system. All right, listen to this. The Wall Street Journal reported in 2017 a hundred years of communism, a hundred million dead. That's the, that's the headline of the article. Wall Street Journal. hundred years of communism, a hundred million dead. A bad person always comes along. This is why our forefathers in America had such wisdom in setting up a system to protect against totalitarian rule and the ability to remove them if it was attempted. This is why it's so important 
to understand uh, these things. Let's look at this now. Let's go to Acts chapter 2 because some people will utilize this. Some people will utilize this and uh, they will say, some people will utilize this scripture and say that God believes in socialism. Uh, they're missing a major portion of Acts chapter 2, verse 44 and 46. Acts chapter 2, verse 44 and 46. You know, and, and I've got you know, people, hey, Ashley, good to see you. I've got people asking questions about specifically some things that are happening right now in our, in our, uh, in our culture. And one of the things I want to do is I want to show you the thinking that's corrupt, but I want to then also show you the thinking that's correct so that you can take any movement that's happening and you can judge it by the truth and the freedom of this word. And that's supposed to be our standard as well. This thinking, so you can see there's traps to different types of thinking. And if you don't know the word or you don't know the full counsel of the word, then you can miss that and you won't walk in the freedom. So look at this. This is Acts chapter 2 and verse 44. We know that there's a major move of God and, and the Holy Spirit has been poured out. And then you get to the place uh, in verse 44, where something amazing happens. If you don't believe it's amazing, uh, you hadn't hung around enough people. <laughs> something amazing happens. Look at this. He said, And all those who had believed were together, and they had all things in common. It goes on to explain. And they began selling their property and their possessions, and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, and they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And so some people have looked at that and said, Look at this beautiful picture of socialism. No, that's not what that is. That's not socialism at all. All right? The sharing. Of all things in common in, in Acts is not socialism because, if it, because it is based in love. Socialism commands and takes. In other words, it commands. Socialism commands and takes. The kingdom gives. These, these guys were moving in the love of God by their own choice. By their own freedom, they chose to share with one another. This is a move of the love of God. This is not being commanded to them. This is not being taken from them. But that's what the theory of a socialism does. It actually makes you, uh, it makes you give away things that you have. It makes you give away rights that you have. It commands you to do that. God didn't command them to do that. God led them to that in his love. If they didn't want to do it, they didn't have to partake. But if they wanted to, they could. It was a choice that was given to them to say, I want to give you this. This is a very important lesson right here because now you start to see really the difference between the beauty of God's plan and the, and the evils of a worldly plan. You know, in a marriage, if a husband and a wife are constantly, unconditionally given to each other in love, what is the other one missing or lacking? 
Nothing. It's a beautiful plan of the love of God. But if one husband or one wife demands that the other one give me this stuff, immediately we recognize this is under the thumb. This is the difference between what's happening in Acts chapter 2 and what's happening in socialism and a trophy mentality. A trophy mentality is, is actually spreading everything out by, by force, even though it might not be that way at first. But see, when we start, if we don't understand the evils of it, then we'll start saying things like this. Everybody's a winner. No matter what you do, we all get the same. Every kid gets a trophy, right? And all of a sudden, they're all rewarded the same no matter how much hard work they put in or didn't put in. We all get the same in this way. And you have to watch it. And, and I understand that that's not pure socialism in that. No, it's, it's like the gateway drug to it. It's like the gateway to it. You start talking that way. You start thinking that way. There's these things that are said, like, uh, watch this. Here's one that's big right now, the redistribution of wealth. The redistribution of wealth is a gateway speech to prepare thinking for socialism. That's gateway speech. There's other things uh, that are, uh, oh, there was one I had not too long ago. I just saw it. Literally, somebody showed it to me, said this is the speech. The very next day, I saw the speech in Christian uh, teaching. There was a Christian that was teaching the very gateway speech to socialism, and they didn't even realize that they were doing it because they didn't understand the evils and the stinking thinking of an ungodly socialistic uh, structure. And so one of the things that you see is this. Socialism commands and takes. The kingdom gives. But, from, but it gives not because it's being commanded to, not because it's forced to, not because it's pressured to. The kingdom gives from love, not under compulsion or force. Don't you know where the Bible says don't give under compulsion or don't give under force? That's the opposite of socialism. So the concepts of the Bible are completely opposite to socialism. It's completely opposite to that way of thinking, right? Socialism makes the structure, and this is a huge one, there's a huge point about the difference between what God says and God's way and a socialism structure. Socialism makes the structure the source and removes love and free choice to give from our lives. Do you understand that when somebody is commanded to give in a socialism structure, they're never really sowing? They're not sowing. This is a, in relationships many times, and even in ministry and pastoring. I will tell people many times, listen, you know, if, if, I, if I command you to do something and I force you to do something, I'm taking away your choice to love. In other words, if I, like if I told my wife, listen, you are going to make dinner for me tonight. Well, a lot of people don't like that way of talk. Why? Because I'm forcing. It's like I'm holding a gun to her head, and I'm saying, if you don't do this, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be upset. I'm forcing her to do it. You know, I can, I can ask for that kind of stuff, but I should never force it in that way. Why? Because as soon as I force something, as soon as I force something in their life, not necessarily with a gun to their head, but as soon as I force them, 
then I'm taking away love from their, from their life. Yeah, you don't sow your taxes. You pay your taxes, you know. And so one of the things that you see is when I force somebody, then I'm taking away their choice for love. I'm taking away that, that portion in their life. And so, I, in other words, I remove the power behind their choice. Because love is what empowers each choice for it to stand. Love never fails. And so I remove the power from their choices, and I remove the freedom from their lives in that way. God's way is saying, hey, here's the right thing to do, but I'm not going to force you to do it. How many, how many sins did God make you put down? No matter how it was, you had a choice to do that or not. You know, God, God sits there, and he'll see people that will never make a change, that have their heart hardened on their own accord. And he says, you know, they're never going to change that. They're going to do this till, the, till their dying day in this world. And, and he'll say, okay, you're, you're never going to change this. Your heart will be hardened for the rest of your days. But he never makes that original choice. Even with Pharaoh, we can prove it with Pharaoh back in, in Egypt. God didn't make the original choice of Pharaoh's hardened heart. He gave him at least five times before, before it was it was hardened by God at least that many if before it was hardened because God could see he's never going to change. He's, he's made his decision. He's made himself an enemy of God. And at that point, God allowed him to be completely hardened and never change. But God does, he always allows you to make your original choices and we choose. Why? Because that's where freedom is. That's God's way of doing it. How many sins did God make you stop? None. None. He didn't make you stop any. You could make that choice even today, right? He didn't make that. He doesn't force that. Why? Because when he forces something, it takes away your ability to love. And we're supposed to become more like God who is love, not move away from him. But when we move into a system that forces our choices, then all of a sudden we, we move away from love. Now our choice now and let me just say because I can I can sense some people maybe say, well government takes away our choices. Government's job according to the Bible is to set up godly rule so that the people will be free and blessed. Free and blessed, right? And we're not going to get into all the questions on that, but they actually have an authority by God to set rules that are godly so that people will be blessed. So their rules and the laws that are on the book in Washington and in all of our capitals should be based off of godly choices and godly rules and things that are written in here, not things that are good worldly theories. It should be based all off of his. He doesn't make us and so because of that, we have governments that rise and governments that fall. And we have governments that make it easy and good for the people. When it, it says when the godly rule, the people rejoice because godliness will bring a blessing to the country. It will bring a blessing to the people. So he allows us to make our choices. He doesn't force that. But even the government has the ability to make choices how they're going to be. Are they going to walk more with God or less with God in that way? When we force something, it takes away that love. I, I hope that you're getting a lot out of this. All right, so now look at this. If we remove choice from people's lives, that removes love from people's lives, and God is love, what we're doing is we're separating God from the daily life of people. 
And this is what socialism does. It separates God from the lives of people. It makes the structure the source of their food, the source of their blessing. You've got to come into line with this structure in order to be blessed. And it's not based on faith. It's based on are you obedient to the structure? Are you playing the game that I want you to play? Right? All right, now look at this. Separation of God from our lives in any area is man-made. You'll see this in the Bible story in a second. Listen, socialism always seeks to work God out of the lives of people. And this is because God's thoughts are always anti-socialism in nature. In other words, every time you see socialism or communism come into a place, one of the very first things that they want to do is remove free thought, remove books, remove history, and remove God. Because all of those things, if left, will cause them to lose power eventually. So they want to remove that. And if you go through the history books, Every socialist regime and every communist eventually gets to the place where they have to remove the Bible because the Bible in itself is a, light, is a book of life and freedom and free thought and God's the source, not the structure. And so in order for it to continue, in order for it to, be, to keep people in power and keep people in control, then they've got to remove God from the equation. And the issue is because God brings choices. God brings faith. God brings love in. And that goes against socialism. Watch this. You'll never see God working himself out of our everyday lives. But if you see a system that is uh, working God out of our lives, then you can know that God's generally not in that system. For the most part, He is not in that system. If you see a system that is working God, working faith, working choices out of the lives of people, God's not in that system. It's because if, he's in the, if God's in the middle of our lives, then love is in the middle of our lives, and He's empowering His blessing to work in us and through us. When God's presence gets in our lives, the blessing comes out. Now, I want you to see this. It's our job as a people to vote in the people that have godliness in their lives. We'll have the best lives when that happens. People will have the most freedom and the most choices. And, and now, a good government is not one that's allowing sin to run rampant. Why? Because sin will bring death. And, and a good leader knows that. And so it's not letting sin run rampant. It's not because sin also will bring death to the person, but eventually it brings death to other people as well around them. And so a good government is bringing good godly choices to live life, to own a home, to own a business, to give a dream that you can break out of where you've been because you and the Lord, you can walk in the blessings of the Lord and come up like David, come up from being the lowly shepherd boy to being the king. Like Joseph, you can come up and rise through the classes and be not, not the slave, not the prisoner, but you can run the whole country, right? This is, this is a godly thought. But a lot of times what you see in these systems is you don't see that at all. You see them holding, 
holding it down, holding people back. No, you don't get to break into this. Uh, you don't get to break into this ruling class in that way. Now, if he's in the middle of our lives, he's going to be blessing us. Look at this. I want you to see this. Go to Genesis chapter 11, verse 3 and 4. Do we see a symbol of, of socialism in the Bible? We do. We do very well. Actually, it's a very good symbol of socialism. Genesis 11, verse 3 and 4. This is the Tower of Babel. Now watch this. I'll, re I'll read this starting in verse 1. Genesis 11, verse 1 through 4. Now the whole earth, now the whole earth, used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. Verse 3, they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. They used brick for stone and tar for mortar. They go on and it says, they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city. Hear that. Come, let us build for ourselves, for ourselves, for ourselves. In other words, not for God, not for his things. Their purpose and their goal was their selves. Watch this. Build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. It's a, it's a draw for control. And then it says this. And let, let us make for ourselves a name, for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Now, then what we see from that is God comes down and he basically says, they'll be able to do anything they want to. They'll be able to do anything they want to if I don't, if I don't put a cap on it. In other words, I've got to cap this or else they will, here, here's what he's getting at. When you understand the love of God, you start to recognize if God doesn't put a cap on what they're able to do, he had made them so well in his image and likeness, but when love was lost in the garden, if they continue going, they will completely destroy and obliterate themselves. And if I don't cap them, their destruction is absolute. And that's ultimately what the Lord is leading to. He says, look, I've got to put a cap on doing these things without me in it. And what I want you to see is, is that at Babel, God allowed a cap on socialism. And socialism was man coming together to fill his own needs. Uh, Brother, Brother Copeland said this, socialism is man trying to meet their own needs without God, and it will never work. God put an eternal cap on man trying to meet their own needs without God. And when you look at socialism and when you look at communism, it's man trying to fulfill their own needs, but we don't need God. And so they reject God as the source. They say, we will do this for ourselves. We will do these things by ourselves. We'll make a name for ourselves. We don't need God. And when a government does that, they don't realize it'll never work because it, it already has an eternal cap on that. It never will work without God. You've got to have God in it. Whereas in a free society, you have people can choose to go after God or not. They don't have to choose Christianity. They don't have to choose Jesus, but they can go after the Lord and God can bless them when they're doing things for the purpose of God. But I want you to see this. How would this ruling class 
build a tower up into heaven. How would the socialist society build a tower? Who's at the base of the tower? Let's go back. He says, they said to one another, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and tar for mortar. Now watch this. Pink Floyd had a song. <laughs> it was at the 60s or 70s. I think it was the 70s. Talking about another brick in the wall. We, another brick. And it was really a revolution against being just another brick in the, in the wall. In other words, this is not what we're just designed to be. Just another brick in the wall. It says all in all we're just another brick in the wall. One of the things that you see is bricks... They all look the same. Now watch this. Watch the, where this goes. When a brick all looks the same, if one of them breaks or causes trouble, I'll just get another one to replace it and throw that one away. Immediately in the socialism, every person simply becomes a number. And all we have to do is just replace one number with another one. Just replace one brick with another one. There's nothing special about the bricks. There's nothing, there's nothing about the bricks that can't be replaced. And it leads to a portion of disposal, where a disposal mentality that we'll talk about probably next week, where all of a sudden we're just willing to throw things away. God is a covenant God. He doesn't believe in just throwing things away. That's not his thinking. The Word teaches us that no one, should be lost. No one should be lost. Think about that. I'm getting ready to jump into something. I'm going to show you this even more. God's thinking is not that all of us are the same. God doesn't look at us as all the same. No, that's not how God thinks at all. Not how God thinks at all. Now let me show you this. I'm going to show you some slides. If y'all can go ahead and put the first slides up about the bricks. So what I want you to see, this is, I got four slides for you. See here, now they have a little bit of difference to them, but all in all, they're all just another brick in the wall. And what you see here is that if one brick broke, we'll just throw that one away and replace it with someone else. Listen, come back to me for a second. You are made in the image and likeness of God. God made you special. You are not just another brick. You can't just be replaced by somebody else. You're not just another cog in the big machine that can be uh, machined out and built, and we can just replace you if you break. That, that may work for machinery, but it doesn't work for man who's made in God's image. It's not the same. It's not the same. Now watch this. But for people that want power and control, that's how they see people. I will never forget the first time I traveled into China and I came into the airport. And yeah, on their name tag, they had their name, but just as big right above it was their number. In other words, they were just another number. They were just another number. Remember when David got in trouble because he numbered the people? In other words, he was viewing numbers as his source. He was viewing people as just another number. They're, they're the next one. They're the next one. They're the next one. They, it, he, 
in his thinking, he got his thinking off because he viewed the people of God as just another one that can be replaced and a symbol of his power, not that God was his source. Let's go back to the brick wall again. I want you to see this. You are not just another brick in the wall. That is not how God sees you. That's not how he looks at you. Go to the next slide. Here's another thing. This is a brickyard where they're making bricks. And you can see all of these bricks, they look the same. They're, they don't have different skills and talents and gifts. They all look the same. And you can see the wages you know, or, or the uh, ways of making this. It's dull. It's gray. It's monotonous. It's boring. God is a God of fullness of life. Go into the next slide. And see, here's the thing. When you go into Romans, it says, don't be conformed to the world, but be, come back to me, transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, you're not, God is saying right there, I don't want you, go back to that slide, I don't want you pressed into the mold to just look like everybody else. I've made you special. I've given each person different giftings in the body of Christ. I've made you for something special. You're not to be conformed. You're to be transformed. Put that in the comments. I'm not to be conformed. I'm to be transformed. I'm not to be uh, for. Hear this. Now watch. How do they make those bricks? They force them into the mold. They compelled them. That brick has no choice over what they do, over who they are. And when you look at socialism and communism, you're told what you'll do. You're told what you'll do. You're, you're forced. You're compelled. You're conformed. That's not God's system. It's not God's system at all. Go back to that slide one more time. And you see here, you are not to be molded and conformed so that everyone looks the same. Every person has giftings from God. See, a system in God, keep it on that picture, a system in God allows you and the giftings that God has made you to have to flourish, not to be conformed, to look like every other one, so that if it breaks, you can just be disposed of. God doesn't think about you as disposable. Come back to me. God does not think about you as disposable. Let me tell you, you are not disposable. But these systems and these mentalities and leading up to it, that trophy mentality, it gets you to the place. It starts out sounding good to worldly ears and worldly thinking, but I'm telling you, it's stinking thinking. The end of it is death, and the end of it is that you are disposable. But in God's heart and in his mind, you are not disposable. There's one last picture of the bricks, and you see here, Look at this. This is the brick pile of the ones that didn't make it. There's the ones out there that's being made, and they just replace the ones that are broken. You're not to be disposed in a pile. That's not God's plan for you. This is not his way of thinking about you. You want to hear his thinking about you? You want to hear his thinking about you? You want to hear it? 
listen, let's, let's look at this. Look at this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Get those other pictures ready to go. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. And coming to him as a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. Now he's talking about, he's talking about us. He's talking about that you are choice. You are chosen by God himself. God looked around, saw you, and said, I choose you. And then God says this, you are chosen and you are precious to me. You are chosen and you are precious to me. Put that in the comments. To God, I am chosen and precious to God. I am chosen and precious to God. Yes, you are. You are chosen and precious in the sight of God. Watch this. And he goes on to say in verse 5, You also, hear that for yourself. You also, we are living stones being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a spiritual house of God, each one choice and precious, not just another brick in the wall, not just one that can be replaced, not just one that can be disposed of. No, you are a living stone Choice and precious to God. He goes on to say this in Ephesians. We are his workmanship. We are his crafting. We are his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in him. New Living says we are God's masterpiece. Who has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long, long ago. Let me show you these pictures now. Let me show you the heart and the thinking of God. Look at this wall as compared to the other one. None of those stones, these are not bricks, these are stones. These are stones that are actually chiseled and carved and they are put together perfectly and none of them is the same. You can't just replace one of those. Every one is worthy not to be disposed and replaced, but to be repaired if it's broken and kept in a covenant heart. Next picture. Look at these stones. And you see, and you'll see the better the builder is, the less mortar is needed to fill in the gaps. How come they had to use mortar at the Tower of Babel? Because their production was not perfect. But these, these walls that are actually, these are man-made walls, but they're a great example. If man can do this, what can God do as the great master craftsman and builder? And the better the craftsman, the less mortar needs because they fit and they're airtight. I've heard about these walls, actually. They're actually, some of them are so airtight they don't even leak and they have no mortar. Go to the next picture. Look at them. Not a one of them is the same. Not a one of them is just another brick in the wall. 
No, these are crafted. This is where this is where the builder walks out into the field and he looks for a stone that's close. He he's got a special purpose for it. He's got something he's got something designed for it. I can't just grab any stone. No, I got to have a perfect one. I got to choose the person that's just right for this building. And then I will I will uh Put my craftsmanship in that person. God himself, almighty God, will put his craftsmanship in you. He will start to chisel away stuff of the world that would mess you up. He'll form you into an image like him. Keep going with these, with these images. Keep looking at them. This is a craftsmanship. This is how God sees you. And you'll notice some of them are bigger. Some of them can be seen more. Some of them can be seen less. But there's a craftsmanship, and no one, no two are alike. Everyone is choice, and everyone is precious. Could you imagine? Yeah, I love that one right there. I just love, I love that. Can you look how tight those joints are because of the craftsmanship of the master that built this wall? And, and think about this. This wall is still by human uh, corruption. In other words, this, this wall is still built by humans. Imagine the wall that God builds. This just gives us an idea of what God can do. Look at this now. Now think about that. See the one right in the middle that kind of looks like an L? What if that thing broke? What if, it, what if it broke and was destroyed? Do you know how difficult it would be to put it back and get it exactly back where it needed to be? Or, or look at the one uh, two over from that that has like six different sides. Do you know how, how much time it would take to get that back? God doesn't want to lose you. God doesn't want you out of, out of your place. You have a perfect gifting and position. The Bible says God has placed the members, just like he places them in this wall. He places the members in the perfect place. I think there's one or two more. Just roll them out there. Is that the last one? Okay. See those, see those stones? They're not bricks. They're stones. You, come back to me, you are choice and precious. You are not just another brick in the wall. You are not able to be disposed of. You are not just to be replaced. No, your choice and your precious. And I want to speak to people that are in your churches. You know, the devil may be lying to you, saying that nobody sees anything. Let me tell you, even if every person in the building doesn't see you, God sees you. You are choice and precious to God. This is not a socialist thinking. This is not just another brick in the wall. You are choice and precious to God. Romans 12, 4 and 5 says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually one of another. We need each other. We need each other. Hebrews 3 and 4 says this, 3 verse 4, For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. God is the builder. In other words, if it's going to work, if it's going to succeed, hear this, it's not built by man. It's built by men that give it over to God. If it's going to work and succeed, God is the builder. Put that in the comments. If it's going to work and succeed, God is the builder. 
God has to be the builder. 1 Corinthians 12, 18, But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. The spiritual problems of trophy mentality and a socialism mentality is love is not involved because freedom of choice is taken and force is used to generate giving. There's a compulsion. There's a force against it. But when we will break that stinking thinking, we will allow love to be the generating source, and we will look to God as our source in everything. And when we look to God, we will have our supply. Amen. Trophy mentality leads to dependence on men and dependence on the system. God does not want you dependent on anybody but Him. Why? Because everybody outside of Him will always fail in some way. That's why we keep our eyes on Him, not on, not on men, not even on, you don't keep your eyes just on the pastor. You don't keep your eyes just on the apostle or the prophet. You don't just keep your eyes on the men and women of God. No, you keep your eyes on Jesus. Now, He'll tell you to follow those who follow Him. Follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God, Hebrews 6.12. In other words, it's not that you never talk. It's not that you don't have interaction with them. It's not that you don't follow them. But you follow them as He follows Christ, as that person follows Christ, as they do godly things. So again, you're not just following a person. You're following God in the person. Trophy mentality or socialism mentality leads to dependence and following men and following the system. Freedom is not in socialism. In Luke 4, 18 and 19, we see that the anointing of Jesus and can be summed up in one word, freedom. Freedom, complete freedom. Historically in socialistic societies, individualism is crushed. Now watch this. I'm not just talking Bible here. I'm talking about history. Look at history time and time and time and time again. In socialistic societies, historically, freedom is completely crushed. When God is all about people operating in their individual callings, their talents, and their gifts, God is looking to draw up the beautiful workmanship and craftsmanship and the giftings and talents in them. God's looking to draw that out, not quench it. God's looking to draw it out. But a trophy mentality actually in the end crushes it. And here's the last thing. Every time you go into a socialistic society, you're always going to have a cap. Because if left alone, God knows, if I don't cap it, if I don't stop it from growing higher than it is right now, it will destroy all the people. It will destroy it. When we allow God to be the priority in our lives, in government, in families, in work, in fun, everything, true joy, happiness, and success can be had in everything. When we let God be God in our lives and not a system, you know, not a, not a system, but we let God be the source, we start to have real joy, real happiness. We start to have provision and finances and help and protection. God wants to bless us, absolutely. But we have to void ourselves of ungodly thinking 
And this trophy mentality is one of those things. And it's something that has crept in in a way I could, uh, I have a hard time believing how much it's crept in recently, which is why it's so important for us to know these things and to see these things. And so today, if you've had that kind of mentality before and thinking, I just, I want you to say, oh man, Lord, I see it and I, I recognize it. And Lord, I turn over my thinking to you. Let's just put that in the comments right now and pray this. Say, Jesus, I turn my thinking over to you. Lord, let me think the way you think. Let my thoughts be your thought. Let my words be your words. Let my actions be your actions. I turn myself and my life over to you. Jesus, you're my Lord. And I, and I trust you because of your great love. And I know that it, because you love me, you've got great things planned for me. I believe you died for me. I believe that God brought you back to life. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. I'm walking in your salvation. I call on you and I'll be saved. You're raising me up to freedom, not to conformity of a socialist mentality, but a freedom of a godly mentality where, where you are the work, you are the master craftsman and I am your workmanship. I'm your masterpiece. Lord, we just thank you, and we receive your continued working in our lives right now. We praise you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you get something out of it? Did you learn something? Did you see something you haven't seen before? Well, listen, like the broadcast, share it. You know, share it with people that need to hear it. Hopefully... Hopefully the video won't be quenched. We just come against that right now in Jesus' name <laughs> because people need to hear this. They need to have uh, the Word of God come alive inside of them. They need the stinking thinking to be removed. And so, Father, we just thank you for it and we praise you for it. Thank you for your Word on it. Thank you, Jesus, for your freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's just like what I was saying earlier. We're not to give under compulsion, and we never want people to give under compulsion. But we also know that God says to people, and he writes it in their heart, just like he did in Acts chapter 2, I want you to share. And I want you, he shows us in other places, I want to be a giver to sow the seeds of the gospel into the world. You know, this broadcast and this ministry is sowing the good news of Jesus Christ into the world. If you would like to partner with it, if you would like to sow into that, you can do that today. You can go to giveww.org. You can give there one time, or you can give every week, every month. You can give every day if you want to. You can set it up to be recurring. On Facebook, you can type in the comments, hashtag donate, followed by the amount, just like Julie just did. Thank you, Julie, for that. Let that seed be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. On Cash App, you can go to Cash App and type in uh, the cash tag, GiveWW, and you can give there. Uh, you can give uh, by PayPal. You can give Bitcoin. All you have to do is just follow those instructions. They're there for you on the, on the screen, and uh, we just praise God. You can text to give. There's the number. You can text GIVE to 980-430-4237. It's right there on the screen. And so we just make it easy for you if God is leading you to. You don't have to. We want to sow this broadcast into you each day. We love you so very much, but I want to pray for everybody who is giving. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, I just praise God for what you're doing and the freedom that you're bringing about in the lives of people. Lord, let your anointing be released
In Jesus' name, thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. And we just praise you and we worship you, Lord. Lord, let every seed that was sown today to further the good news and further the gospel into the world. Lord, every share that people did, every like, every subscription as well, let these things be multiplied. Let there be a harvest that supernatural be attached to their lives. And Lord, let that harvest come up now pressed down, shaking together, running over, supernaturally multiplied, and with supernatural quickness, let it be quick, and let us be good ground for the seed that the people are giving in Jesus' name. We praise you and we worship you. If you receive that supernatural harvest in your life because you've sown, just right now, just say, say, Lord, I receive. I receive a supernatural harvest today in Jesus' name. Receive that harvest. Don't just let it sit there. Lord, thank you for that harvest. Thank you for that abundant supply to do every good work. Lord, we just love you and we thank you and we praise God for you, Lord. Thank you for everything you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We thank God for you. Thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for hungering for the things of God. I hope you got a lot out of it. Tomorrow, tomorrow we're talking about a kingdom democracy mentality. Kingdom democracy mentality. Thank you for that seed, Chris. I see that. Amen. Miss Julie says, I received supernatural harvest today. Tomorrow, kingdom democracy mentality. This is an interesting one. It goes along the lines of kind of some governmental stuff in the kingdom. And uh, so we paired this together with what we were talking about today. It's going to be awesome. I'll see you there. Here's Marky to wrap everything up. I love you. See you tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this is a message that you think needs to go out, share it. Send it to your friends and family. Like this video. And if you are not subscribed to our channel, you can subscribe right now. You can even listen to me talk as you subscribe. You can like pull me down and then like go over. Subscribe. If you're on Facebook, you can like our page. And exciting. This Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. It is Easter. Yay! It's a great day. Absolutely great day. We actually are going to be having some fun stuff going on this Sunday here in Albemarle, North Carolina. We're going to be having an Easter egg hunt for all kids. It's going to be awesome. They can go outside and run. It's going to be so fun for them. And then we are also having free family pictures. Do you need some updated family pictures? Well, we have the place for you. You can get them here. They, uh, we have, like, I literally have so many pictures from uh, family pictures from here at church. They're awesome. So if you'd like that, you should come get your pictures taken with your pretty Easter dress and clothes and stuff like that. It's going to be awesome. And tomorrow, we are also we're going to be having Bible trivia. Do you want to you want to talk about the Bible and get paid for it? Do you want to like answer questions about the Bible and get paid for it? You can do that tomorrow with Bible trivia. You get the answer right the quickest and you get a gift card. It's going to be awesome. We'll see you tomorrow.